Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Here we go! Listening to the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 53 of the Emerald Flow Show. We're a podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can follow us on X at Emerald Flow Show and uh, listen to us on all of your podcast apps and leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts if you can. And if you're feeling generous, you can donate to us at voicesofwrestling.com slash donate. I'm Gerard. Uh, I'm f- flying solo this week because Paul is on his way to Japan and just the timing around the holidays and everything uh, didn't work out for us to record together. Uh, but we have a lot to get to because, uh, I mean, <laughs> We're going into that time of the year where there's so much going on in uh, Japan in terms of shows uh, starting from December 31st onwards. And before we begin, uh, I have to apologize. Uh, I sent out a tweet saying that uh, there wasn't going to be an NXT uh, presence on the All Japan show on January 2nd. I had tried to track that story down and I was wrong. (laughs) And It's funny because it only came out a few minutes after I, I did that. 
uh, I take full responsibility. It was not Paul at all. Uh, very embarrassing. Um, and I know uh, this isn't an excuse or anything, but just to give a frame of mind reference here, I know that there was other journalists following the story that uh, didn't think also uh, there wasn't going to be an NXT a challenger uh, for the Triple Crown on December 2nd. Uh, so, um, again, very embarrassing and uh, you know, I've, I've tried generally not to be someone that does scoops or anything like that because uh, I didn't want to necessarily deal with it. And I've had stuff come across my radar hearing things that actually turned out to be very true on some, you know, fairly big things. Um, but I guess what sort of ended up motivating me uh, to try to track something down, although albeit wrongly, was um, just obviously the amount of attention that this was getting and everything like that. Um, obviously, um, someone had like a, um, a Google trends thing about all Japan and it just shot up dramatically, uh, upon that sort of, um, uh, rumors that there was going to be an NXT presence and everything like that. And, you know, I think a lot of people that were covering this didn't know anything about the promotion really and everything like that. So I just felt like I, you know, if I could, I uh, cover it. So that screwed up and I'm very sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, from now on, I'm going to refrain from doing anything like that again, honestly, unless, <laughs> you know, but even then I, I just don't necessarily want to deal with tracking everything down and confirming everything like, like that. So again, I hope you will forgive me and continue to, uh, listen to our show. So we have to get to a lot of stuff. But before we get to um, what's going on uh, for sort of over New Year's and everything like that, we're going to start with just a few little notes. Uh, Noah Monday Magic had another really good show um, on the 18th, which was headlined by Kaido Kimiya defeating Ryohei Oiwa uh, in a pretty good match. Uh, you could sort of tell that maybe they weren't, uh, they were holding back. Maybe that will be a bigger match, uh, singles match come down the line. But again, you know, just went just under 15 minutes. Very much worth it. And then we had Kota Minora and Ben K from Dragon Gate teaming with Keno against Manabu Soya, Masakidami, and Daiki Inaba with the Keno team winning that. Uh, again, really good match. Um, just, you know, another fun show with, you know, not too long matches. And the younger talent and everything like that continues to be one of the best parts of Noah, without question. Um, and then also on, uh, I did not see the subsequent uh, Korokin just before Christmas, although that drew uh, not very well at all. I think 600 and something. Uh, so, you know. Uh, Noah sort of continues to struggle on that front, so we'll see what things turn around. And then also on December 21st, uh, there was Noah Monday Magic. Or sorry, not Noah Monday Magic. A New Age Chronicle 2 from All Japan, which is sort of Rising Hayato's young guy show. Uh, really the top... I, I thought the whole show was really solid, uh, top to bottom. But really the top two matches of the Aoyagi brothers with the Saito brothers and the main event of um, Yuma Anzai and Ryuki Honda versus Rising Hayato and Imabari Tao Maskeris from Ehime Pro. Uh, really good match. Again, they gave uh, the Hayato and uh, uh, Tao, I guess for lack of a better term, team uh, a lot. Um, I think coming, since they're both from Ehime Pro, I mean, I'm sure that Hayato's probably trying to get Maskeris into All Japan. Uh, he's a little small by All Japan standards, but uh, he seems to be, he's obviously very young and there's a lot of potential there. 
I guess before we get into previewing the shows themselves, we have to go over a couple of other news and notes. Um, first off, uh, the Actress Girls promotion has signed some sort of business agreement with All Japan, uh, which I think, well, not necessarily specifically AWG, but it was it was uh, obviously a long time coming that they were looking to sign some sort of deal with a women's promotion. Uh, there was that deal with Ice Ribbon, but that fell apart when things in Ice Ribbon started to fall apart a couple of years ago. Uh, so, I mean, we're getting an uh, Actress Girls presence on January 3rd, and we had a, a silly skit with President Fukuda, Soyoki Fukuda, uh, introducing himself to some members of their roster. Uh, we'll talk more about Fukuda later. Uh, so I think that was inevitable, and I think that's good, and I think we're going to see them more on January 3rd. I honestly don't know anything about this promotion. This is the only one of the only promotions in Japan that I have never really watched and have no sort of the faintest feelings of all on i know they have their own streaming service and everything like that and the company's gone through sort of different restructuring um over time with sort of the directions that it wants to take with uh you know like i believe like act and and uh, colors and everything like that and i don't know all of the different um differentiations but i know that a lot of a fair amount of talent from the joshi scene has started in the company uh so i think that will and from people I do talk to that there's a lot of people that are, are generally, you know, fairly high on, on the promotion. So I think that is going to be uh, a good sign depending on how it's, it's handled, but we'll, we'll get into that more a little later, probably in the surprising thing, although it's if, given some of the names, although it's not particularly surprising that someone, people are leaving all Japan at the end of the year, because that's now like a yearly occurrence. We have, Tako Omori and ta- uh, the ring announcer Tiger Kihara leaving. Uh, both sort of surprising names, given their stature. Uh, Kihara has been with the company since 1987. Has been a ring announcer since 1989. I don't know anything what's going on with that. Maybe he wanted to move on. Uh, maybe the company is restructuring, looking for. It could be also a case they want like you know younger people uh, on this. Uh, that would not necessarily shock me, uh, given the direction the company is going. Again, I'm just speculating. I don't know anything about that. Uh, Kiara has also played a role in sort of putting together a lot of those like um, Baba-related uh, memorial shows. So I with Kyohei Wada. Uh, I would assume that would continue unless he's getting out of the business. So we'll see what that's all about. I mean, Kiara obviously has lots of friends in the business. He takes pictures regularly with himself, with other people and other companies. So he could pop up somewhere else or he could be leaving the business. I guess we'll just have to watch for that. Omori is a bit of a surprise uh, because it's been reported that he's well-liked among the other wrestlers backstage. I mean, he's in his mid-50s now. I think he might be coming up on 55 or 56 years old next year. Um... I thought he may, you know, people have speculated that he had a hand um, <clears throat> in um, in sort of booking or running things backstage. I don't know uh, how valid or accurate that is, um, but it's, it does come as a surprise for someone to leave a company like that. Now, again, is he going to see people speculate he's going to go to uh, DDT to join Junakiyama? That obviously would seem like the most obvious landing spot. Maybe he'll freelance. Maybe he wants to not be full-time, but sort of be semi-retired or like part-time. I don't know. Again, this year it's both been two older talents, and it could be a case um, of the company sort of wanting to, um, you know, 
clear out some of the older talent because you know the roster average age if you compare it to what was like five years ago has gotten younger there's less over 50 wrestlers uh in the company uh actually with omori i don't think there will be anyone over 50 other than fuchi but that's sort of a special case um so i don't know what's up with that i obviously wish him the best i think he's you know i dear favorite of mine you know an underrated talent i don't think he was quite you know the high elite 10 out of 10 level but i think he he is actually sort of underrated if you look back at his whole career um and really i don't, I don't think it's ridiculous or 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 one to say he's one of the best tag team uh workers of all time if you consider all of his tag teams from you know the 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 tag team with akiyama because they started in the 90s and they had like held the all asia tag titles for like three or four years and then he had uh, no fear and then he had various takes he was like with manabu nakanishi and wild child uh he had get wild with manabu soya just a really underrated tag worker of the last 30 years um you know obviously he slowed down but he's got ring intelligence where whatever you know he can still have a better match than maybe you would think so given the way he you know and he doesn't move around like horribly or anything like that but he does show his age and everything like that so i mean it, i'm sad to see him go because obviously like sentimental favorite and everything like that um but i will be watching for what he what he does next and that will be interesting and you know I, it's a i see it probably as more of a, a situation of the youth movement but maybe something will come out and saying that no there's more drama backstage and everything like that um because you know that's sort of interesting to talk about and everything like that but uh you know people will tie it into other things going on and we'll talk about that now obviously i hinted at it earlier during my apology and everything but yes, Charlie Dempsey will be facing the winner of Kento Miyahara versus Naka, Katsuhiko Nakajima on January 3rd for the Triple Crown. He is the special assassin of President Fukuda. This has obviously driven many people uh, very angry. Uh, they are very suspicious of um, any sort of WWE involvement uh, in Japan. Uh, what they could do to uh, the scene there and uh, you know it's not an it's not an out there or illegitimate concern and everything like that but i'm going to be honest with you i am not panicking uh i don't see ha any reason to do so i mean look they just signed an agreement with abima and which apparently is not going that well just in terms of total viewers you know they had walter in big japan a couple years ago nothing came of that although you know there were rumors they were trying to buy big japan and then there was um obviously nakamura against great muda um last january 2023 again nothing happened it was a one-off uh i would say that if they had sent someone like a braun breaker or a grayson waller i would be more concerned but they had uh william regal do a video saying you know you know, I want to represent the European style. My, I want him to represent the European style. And he revealed that he was, you know, Dempsey's real son. And, and the, he spent more time in the video talking about the legacy of Billy Robinson than WWE. So this is probably a favor set up through uh, Hideki, um, you know, because he was a coach uh, in NXT and everything like that. And Regal um, and everything like that. I do not think it is some bigger sign of a takeover. Um I would say that if they announce more, then you could be more suspicious. But right now, I think this is just a one-off through, like, you know, get him some Japanese experience. Because he was in the New Japan Dojo, I believe. But I'm not sure if he was in the one in Japan or 
in um, in L.A. Um, and, you know, but he didn't wrestle on any New Japan shows, I believe, or not very many. So this gives him a high profile thing and, and that sort of thing to give him some experience. So that's all I think this is. And uh, look, I'm 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 simply not panicking. I, I re- I'm, I'm really not. So, I mean, I don't watch WWE or any really North American uh, wrestling these days and everything like that. So um, I had to sort of do a quick crash course in Charlie Dempsey. And, uh, you know, he's a pretty good worker from what I've seen. Uh, there's a match, uh, him versus Axiom from uh, Booker T's Reality of Wrestling that's easily found on YouTube. Goes, I think, over 16 minutes. It has like a little bit of interference at, at the end, <laughs> not surprisingly. What do you expect? But... The rest of the match is very solid. Uh, you know, he is obviously trained in that European style, very similar to his father and everything like that. So, I mean, I, honestly, regardless of whether he's against Miyahara and Nakajima, although I will get into this later, I, I think it's going to be Miyahara still. Um, it's going to be a good match, I think. I don't know if it's going to be a great match. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people are not impressed. Obviously, I get it. I don't want to speak for Paul, but he didn't seem too impressed. A lot of people that I know are going to be in Japan are skipping the show. I mean, if I were there, I'd, I'd go. I, I don't have any issue with this, anything like that. Uh, again, it just seems like a, 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 a cooties theory. Like, you go near someone, you get, uh, you know, infected with the mythical cooties. Um, I just don't see... Any of this happening, again, that could be disastrously wrong, and we will see about that. But I think, ultimately, it'll be a nice little match. That's They need someone, right? I mean, this is this is still one of the weaknesses with All Japan for all of its success in 2023 is a lack of challengers. And you could say, well, who is this guy? I mean, he's not even anything uh, within the context that he's coming from and everything like that, and I get it. But, um, you know, as soon as uh, more NXT talent gets announced for All Japan, then you can worry Otherwise, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy the match because um, I, I think it'll be good. I don't know what else to say. I'm just not that uh, angry or upset about it. Um, you know, it is what it is, and I think it'll ultimately be a good match. So we're going to preview the shows, and we'll start, I guess we'll go in chronological order um because that sort of makes the most sense um so we start with december 31st uh at yoyogi national gymnasium number two for all japan's show uh the match order is out so i can go in that exact match order first match uh Gaiori tv championship uh sort of six-man preview tag got black mansore takuya nomura fuminori abe versus minoru tanaka naruki doing koji iwamoto um I mean, I think that would be a very solid opener. Um, and I think probably Tanaka is going to pin Menso Ray uh, prior to their match. It just makes the most sense because I'll get into that more later. Next up, second match. This is the Takao Omori um, farewell match to All Japan Pro Wrestling. We got Ryuki Honda, Ryo Inoue, and uh, Takao Omori versus Koji Doi finally returning. Um and Kuma Rashi also returning, and the Mitsuya Nagai um, could be a solid little match. Um, I'm sure Omori will get a lot of his spots and shine in. Third match, we've got Yoshitatsu, who actually, I gotta say, I'm surprised he's still staying at the company and everything like that, especially the way he's been booked over the last year. He's definitely being wound down. He's not having these little weird little angles like Yoshitatsu Kingdom and the Tetsuverse or anything like that. So he's teaming with Yuma Aoyagi versus Suji Shikawa and Renayabe. 
Um, we could say that's a sort of not the most efficient use of Yuma on this card, but it is what it is. Um, you know, people sometimes get a little, sometimes Yuma will not be on a big match on a card and some people will be like gloom and doom about things. I'm not, it's just, you know, the main event is really what's focus of this show. So I wouldn't read too much into this, this match on the show. Um, so, I mean, assuming Lee Ishikawa and Ayabe win, and I have no clue, but I mean, Ayabe is someone you got to think about who could be announced as having a contract on January 2nd. And then fourth match, the true rookie of the year match. We have Jun Sato versus Rei Sato. They set this up on the uh, New Age Chronicle 2 show. Um, I am looking forward to this, uh, you know, because I have always been a Sato Brothers supporter. And I think this could be a lot of fun. You know, I watched a couple of Rei Sato's matches in the Dio. Uh, his match against Yuki Onaya was actually pretty good. Um because it was just the two big guys running into each other. And I know that Naya doesn't always have the best reputation, but it's actually worth watching. And the next up, we have uh, the Shotaro Ashino return match. Shotaro Ashino and T-Hawk versus um, Kiroshio Tokyo Japan and Sego Tachibana. Um, you can all figure out who's probably uh, losing here and everything like that. Um, but look, um, Jiro and Tachibana always deliver uh, whether or not you don't want to like... Well, I mean, I've been on record many times about liking Tachibana, but, uh, you know, Jiro is not a bad worker. It's just the whole act gets annoying and everything like that so it could be a very solid match and the sex six match is uh yuma anzai and charlie dempsey versus tetsuma fujinami and leona i sort of get where they're going with this you know in the video regal mentioned that he had like faced like people like antonio noki and fujinami so you know getting that sort of rub for his son obviously leona probably loses here to dempsey um it look we've said on the show that leona's become a perfectly competent worker Fujinami is limited. I mean, he's 70 years old. He's going to be 71 in 2024. Um, but, um, you know, if he can just do some mad exchanges with these guys, I think that's all. And it may be a dragon screw. That will send the crowd home happy. In the seventh match, All Japan versus DDT. We've got um, Asuki Oyagi and Rising Hayato versus the KOD champion Yuki Ueno and Toi Kojima. Uh, I would expect some big things from this. I think that they're going to want to sort of, you know, they're relatively high up on the card. So I think they're going to want to make a statement and everything like that. And I think it will be really good. And I think the All Japan team will win because Kojima is not necessarily like um, a push commodity that much in DDT. And then the eighth match, um, World Junior Heavyweight Champion, we've got Al Lindemann versus the uh, Junior Battle of Glory Champion winner, Dan Tamara. Um, this is obviously, I think going to be Dan's big crowning moment. And, uh, I normally, I would say that they would probably gel, but with like Lindemann has looked very, uh, uninspired and uninterested in this uh, junior title reign. It seems like the great office just told him, Hey, we're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to have these defenses, whatever. The only, the only match from the rain or the match from the rain. I like the most was actually the match against Jonathan Gresham back in, um, Sapporo. I actually thought that was a very solid match. And I thought that Gresham worked really hard. And I think that Al Lindemann got into it because Gresham was sort of pushing him and like wanting to have like a nice technical match, fast paced technical match. And that was probably my favorite match of, of the reign. So I expect Dan to win here, have his big moment. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where things go. I mean, I think obviously 
Atsuki is always waiting in the wings to win the title back. It could be Rising Hayato finally getting the title next. I mean, Dan's getting the title before Rising Hayato, even though Hayato's developed himself in their star because obviously Dan is a, a you know one of their dojo boys and everything like that, which is fine. Um, I think that um, that's not too big of an issue. Dan really does have a fan following. I think people sort of underestimate that. And um, so I think that he will do well as junior champion. And um, yeah, um, just again, I just hope they don't fall into the, the pattern. Like he'll get a couple defense loose to outsiders. I hope they can find some fresh faces for him to to um, to to sort of uh, find himself in the ring against. Because, you know, they just had the junior battle of glory where they all face each other and everything like that. So we'll see what happens. I would assume, though, maybe Karasato is probably going to be one of the earlier challengers because they had a draw in the tournament and then they've got the whole partner thing. And, you know, Dan finally getting his big win over or Sato in a title match uh, would be big for him. And next to the ninth match in the semifinal, which I was sort of surprised that this appeared where it is, but we've got Suwama, Hideki Suzuki, and Hikaru Sato versus Minoru Suzuki, Davy Boy Smith Jr., and Hokuto Omori. That this is going to be the semi-main event um, is, I think, in part because this is Smith's debut in All Japan. He was scheduled to be in the 2020 Champion Carnival, but then, you know, the pandemic happened and everything like that. Um, they're playing off of some Suzuki gun nostalgia by putting Suzuki and Smith back together. And I think that, um, well, Smith's going to be around on January 2nd and 3rd. It's hearing some, there seems to be some rumblings, like in the Observer, it said he'll be starting with the, uh, with the promotion as a regular, I believe the term was. So you got to assume um, that um, he might be around. He probably is going to be, if this is, right in the champion carnival because i think dave does talk to smith um in the champion carnival and everything like that so i mean he's obviously someone that would be a fresh challenger i mean you know i go back and forth i mean i don't think smith necessarily has ever lived up to some of the hype that people thought but i think against the right opponent you know he can have a good match and i think ultimately for all japan it's probably a good thing i mean he fits in because of his size and everything like that so i have no problems with this in all honesty um you know, and he's been away for a bit, so you know he's kind of fresh. hasn't been in Japan in a while, and he's definitely fresh in all Japan. So I've got no problem with it, and anything like that. I wouldn't be calling for a triple crown reign or anything like that, though. Um, and then um, in the main event, of course, we've got for the triple crown Kazuhiko Nakajima versus Kento Miyahara. I don't know what else to say. Obviously, I mean uh, Nakajima's going around with this incredible heel troll where he's you know, posing with the triple crown with Hishashi Shinma, former uh, president of actually the WWF and uh, New Japan. And um, he says he's going to come out to Inoki's Bombay theme and everything like that. He's, he's got the red towel around his, his, his neck, really leaning into like this. He, he's representing Inokiism against King's Road <laughs> and everything like that. Uh, could make for an incredible entrance. Um and an incredible match. I mean, we have to be talking about match of the year uh, level caliber here uh, to close at the year. And I think that will obviously get a lot of momentum on people's lists because it happens in the last day of the year. Um, so as for the results, I mean, it's hard to say. We know that Nakajima will be hanging around at least on till January 14th because he's challenging for the world tag team titles with Hokuto Omori against the Saitos on the Masanobu Fuchi 70th anniversary show, or 70th birthday slash 50th anniversary show. 
So does he win? I mean, I can't imagine that Miyahara is going to lose another triple crown match so soon again. And it just feels like this was always set up to be back and forth. Nafumi Saito on the Pacific Rim podcast had some comment where he's like, it sounds like Nakajima and Miyahara are working together to elevate, try to elevate all Japan. If that's the case, then maybe Nakajima is sticking around even if he's not joining the roster. So we'll see. But really, I think, I think the right choice is Miyahara. Especially if we, we simply don't know. if Even if Nakajima wants to sort of work in all Japan continuously, you know, if he's not going to be contracted or full-time, I just don't know if you want to do this. And I think going into this, it just feels right. And it, and it's, it closes the story. And I think, you know, they, they did their thing. And I think what will happen if Miyahara wins that they'll do the sort of reconciliation after the match or or shortly after and everything like that. And I think there'd probably be some money to be made if they were a tag team as well. Now uh, going from that, um, I mean, if I just, I, Mihar is probably Teflon if he were to lose, but then it just becomes incredibly contrived because you would assume that Mihar is going to go through the champion carnival and win that again and everything like that. So I don't know. Of course we have a Shino coming back and everything like that. It just think makes it, I just think it's a better idea for all things considered just to get the triple crown back on him. You know, Nakajima came in, had that great match with Aoyagi. He won the real world tag league. Um, you know, and maybe he'll be around some more. He might, you know, it's not no reason unless he completely signs a contract with new Japan. There's no reason why he could never be triple crown champion again or something like that. So it remains to be seen, but uh, I'm going to lean and you can, I'm not a hundred percent by any means, but I'm going to lean Miyahara on this. It just seems the most likely outcome given the story. And Miyahara is finishing the story, as it were. So then we go, uh, well, we'll stop. We'll go to January 2nd for All Japan because this is an interesting thing because there's not much announced, right? Um, uh, there's the annual New Year uh, have, uh, New Year Battle Royale. It's no longer the Heavyweight Battle Royale because they got rid of the Junior Heavyweight Battle Royale. Um, that happens around the same time. So all we've got, other than the Battle Royal, is Minoru Tanaka and Black Menso Ray for the Gayori TV Championship. I mean, this title's not doing anything. I like Menso Ray. I think he's underrated. I mean, he obviously, in other days, as Yohei Nakajima, he was the Gayori TV Champion. Uh, will, will Tanaka drop it to someone like that? You never know. But I just don't know what else there is to be uh, gleaned out of this This title reign of Tanaka's and because he's done most of the defenses and great and everything like that but also um and also the show are Mitsuya Nagai, Usama Nishimura uh Minoru Suzuki, Hideki Suzuki, Kuroshio Tokyo Japan, Naruki Doi, Koji Iwamoto Fuminori Abe, Segi Tachibano uh Takahiro Katori who's that sort of like dog gimmick guy on the New Age uh Chronicle shows and Davey Boy Smith Jr. I would assume that uh, Charlie Dempsey's also on the show, and uh, you would assume that he's probably one of the leading candidates to win that battle royal, uh, actually. Um, and actually, you know, I'll just finish up with All Japan, because why not? On January 3rd, obviously, Charlie Dempsey versus the winner of the Triple Crown match. Uh, and then we have the Actress Girls Offer match, uh, Mariah Ono and uh, Netsuoya versus... Uh, um, Chika Goto and Koki. Um, I have not seen any of them, but I think that, you know, most people I know that watch Actress Girls do enjoy the promotion, so I'm looking to see forward what they can offer. 
Um, so yeah, there's obviously going to be, a, I guess on December 31st, is probably going to be stuff shot or like angles they do to set up some of the matches on January 2nd and 3rd, maybe, or at least some announcements of what those matches are. So we'll see. Um, yeah, um, that is all Japan. I think strangely enough, all the momentum they have were the vibes, I should say, cause this is all vibes, right? They haven't really done anything actually ridiculous yet. But I've always said that, like, you know, the, before the company was one bad booking decision away of going down the drain. Now nah, we can bump that up to two. But, you know, I think the vibes that people people are giving it bad vibes because of the WWE NXT thing. And I've already been over that. But I think that. I mean, I was going to say, and I forgot to say it, December 31st show really doesn't have that much support on the undercard outside uh, of the junior title match, which got built up. But the rest of the stuff is just like multi-man tags mostly. And then you got the side of matches. Not a lot of support. Maybe, you know, but the, then maybe not. They decided. They looked at the... And the floor, the main floor is almost always sold out. There's a few 70,000 yen ringside tickets available. Those will probably go on walk-up. Those... And so people will have to sit up on like the upper then second level. So, I mean, I assume we've got to be talking about a show that could do 2,000. I think that is a realistic goal, and I think over 2,000 is within reach. I think that would be huge for All Japan to do over 2,000 on the strength of just that one match alone. I didn't read in too much into this, and I think that it's the promotional thing. Why load up the show when uh, you have like, you know, one of the biggest matches in the company in years to do this sort of thing, right? So I, I get the logic of that. And I think that that's probably, if you see the card and you think there's not that much left, uh, I think it'll be a good show. But I think that's the logic behind that. And I think that um, the show will still be good. The second and third remain to be seen. And But, you know, I've already gotten my thoughts on, on, on the Dempsey thing. I just don't sweat it. And I just can't put the sort of outrage that other people do on this, even if obviously like that is a style of professional uh, sports entertainment that I just do not like and have not really ever. Well, I mean, when I was younger, yeah. But when I was like 15, 16, uh, yeah. But I mean, I don't, I think there's also some uh, hostility to Regal. I, again, I don't give a shit about any of that. Uh, I'm not British. He didn't ruin my indie scene. Uh, I don't care if he's a Cardi behind the back, backstage in AEW. I really don't. I just don't. So I just can't get outraged at any of this. Um, so that's all Japan. I mean, I still think that uh, despite some of the bad vibes, uh, they still have a chance to get a lot of attention going into this. And I think it is going to be a good New, Year, New Year's Eve and New Year's for the company that's going to set up a lot of directions. But, again, I could be wrong. We could be find out that they're going down the sports entertainment route. Oh, one last thing on All Japan that I forgot to mention. The angle setting up, the tease of the of uh, an NXT presence, got a lot of people's radar. They're like, oh, is this a parody and a joke? And I, and I think that captured sort of captured people's attention. <laughs> Maybe not the right term, but people were like, is this actually happening kind of thing. And in it, it was like uh, Suyuki Fukuda in like the All Japan office, the real world tag league trophies and the champion carnival trophies behind him. He's surrounded by some, I think, believe actress girls members in like their sexy Santa outfits and everything like that. And he gets a call and everything. But this is the second video of him in a couple of weeks. The first one was to set up the actress girls relationship. So to me, what I find more troublesome than any sort of relationship with WWE is Fukuda is now sort of becoming a character. 
Uh, I don't like that when you have management who are not wrestlers become uh, characters. And of course, uh, obviously people who have been uh, longtime watchers of All Japan remember uh, Nubuo, Nubuo Shiraishi in um, 2013, obviously, uh, the crazy egomaniac guy. So to me, that is uh, a trend that I don't like. Uh, that I think could be uh, a problem going on, just him sucking up air and being goofy and taking sort of attention away from all of the good things that the company has done. So I think that is a big, to me, that's a bigger red flag or in warning than anything with WWE unless there's an actual formal relationship, which again, I, I don't think there is. You know, could be wrong, but I'm knocking on wood that uh, there's not. Um, but again, to me, that is the more troublesome thing that is more likely to continue in this regard. And I don't like it. And I'm not the first, I'm not the only person to point this out as well. So, you know, people sort of, um, got, uh, that feeling too, that, that this is a problem regardless of what's happening with WWE. And so hopefully that this is just a little, you know, set up the holiday shows and that this is not a thing going forward. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're you you know what I mean? Like you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, hey, look at some random cards, or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards. It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second, fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So uh, we're going to go on to pro wrestling Noah next. You know, I, I was thinking to myself about this and I think perhaps, you know, I don't know. Again, we'll talk about vibes. I think the sort of s storm or the trough or whatever has passed. And I think maybe that, yeah, and I'll get into some of the problems later. Um, but I don't know. I think things can, problem. well, you never say never, but I think things can only go up from here so i i don't know i have a semi-good feeling about this show so let's get into it uh 
first off, we've got the dark match. You've got the rookies, Taishi Ozawa and Yu Owada. And then we have another dark match. It's an eight-man tag team match. Muhammad Yone, Atsushi Katoe, Super Crazy, and Teriyaki versus Akitoshi Saito, Hajime Ohara, uh, Hiroki, and uh, Kai Fujimura. And then the three-way match for the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship, Dragon Bane and El Wolf, the champions, versus Yohei and Tadasuke, versus Ninja Mac and Alejandro. I mean, this, I think, will be good. It'll just be a spot fest. But, I mean, you know, you need one of those on this card. <laughs> Next up, titled International Sensation, six-man tag match. We've got uh, good-looking guys Jake Lee and Jack Morris and Anthony Green versus El Hio, Dr. Wagner Jr., who I should say has signed another contract, a new contract with Noah for, I don't know how long, but at least 2024, I would assume. So that's a good sign. Uh because he is, was a breakout star in 2023 for Noah, so that is really great that he's hanging around. And then we got Vinny Massaro and Titus Alexander, which is a huge. This is a huge thing for both of those guys who have been solid in Noah, especially helping the Monday Magic shows. Um, so that is great to see. And then we've got a Noah versus New Japan match: Masa Kitamiya versus Tomohori Ishii. I can't complain about this. I think it will be great. Hopefully it gets, you know, 15 minutes and everything like that. I would assume that Ishii's going to win this one, though, actually, I think. Because that leads us to the second Noah versus New Japan match. we got Go Shiozaki versus Satoshi Kojima, the rematch from the 2022 uh, Cyber Fight Festival main event. I think, considering that Kojima uh, had just pinned uh, Shiozaki in a tag match, Go wins here. Although I don't know what that means because it still feels like they're down cycling go. But I mean, I can't go wrong with the match between those two guys. Although it's probably going to get 15 minutes match. And then we've got the uh, great Sakuya advent. Uh, great Sakuya and uh, Nagisi Nozaki versus Haruka Umeseka and Miyuki Takase. Uh, I've heard that Sakuya, it could be. Well, this is speculation. Riho Ka- Riko Kawahara. Marvelous. Um, but. Nevertheless, I think with that talent in there, um, although Nozaki's looks a little rusty, but she's still very solid. I think that will be a good match. And then singles match, uh, we've got uh, Alka Sasaki versus Takashi Sugera. And now it's come out that uh, Alka sounds like he's going to be a regular in pro wrestling Noah going forward. And I have to say, I am fine with that. I mean, you know, obviously he has he's, he's green, but MMA fighters tend to adapt. And look, given the way that he's only 34 years old, you know, he's got a good look, a little small, but that's not as big a deal in Noah. He's actually, you know, maybe a little more skinny, but his height is around where you've got your other guys like your Seguras and like what Nakajima was in Kano and everything like that. So if he wants to do this, I think they might as well ride it because um, what else do they got? <laughs> you know, and that sort of thing, right? And I have no problem with that because he's obviously like a pro wrestling fan and wants to do this. Uh, as opposed to just trying to cash a check and everything like that. And I think he's going to work hard. And I think Segura is the first great opponent because they can just stiff themselves, each other, I should say. Uh, and then next up, we have the tag match wrestling sympathy. is Zack Sabre Jr. and Yoshinari Ogawa versus Hiroshi Tanahashi and Hayata. Um, I would assume that maybe Sabre and Ogawa win because they're the established tag team. It could be either way, but like Ogawa's pinning Hayata and Hayata's pinning Ogawa. Maybe Tanahashi pins Ogawa Saber defeat, uh, like submits Hayata. Um, but again, well, I was gonna say I was looking forward to this. But you know, Hayata's there. But you know, well, these other three and even Tanahashi in, in this day and age can make something of it. 
Now we get into this sort of the situation where this has become uh, New Japan calling it Wrestle Kingdom Week because now you've got two matches on this card setting up matches at Wrestle Kingdom, which is so silly and ridiculous, but Noah has allowed themselves to do it. And if you wanted to tell me, or if I were to tell you what I think probably one of the bigger problems still in Noah is that they have allowed themselves, especially to be cucked by New Japan, <laughs> New Japan. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, for the junior GHC junior heavyweight uh, t- title match, sorry, we've got Daga versus Ada. I mean, Daga said he wants to uh, full continue. I think he left AAA and is said that he wants to continue to focus in Noah in 2024. For some reason, I thought he might be focusing in Ring of Honor, but I guess not. Um, but I think that this is sort of the build up to Ada's long-awaited reign with the GHC junior title. So I think he wins here. And, um, well, it depends what kind of Ada, not just in this match, but they, because they might want to do Lucha stuff and it could be good. You know, you can never, I mean, you can never completely write something like this off, even if, if uh, some of the stuff has been underwhelming with the Ada tag team and stinger and drama and everything like that. But, um, so I don't know. This is a question mark of how good the match will be. And it's a question mark of how, what kind of Ada will show up if he wins his title, and what kind of rain it will be, but I can't write it off. Um, it is just simply too talented, even if I don't always like his <laughs> creative choices. Um, and then we have, uh, speaking of Road to Wrestle Kingdom or Wrestle Kingdom Week, we've got Noah in New Japan versus House of Torture. We've got Kaido Kiyomiya, Shota uh, Umino, uh, Ryohei Oiwa, Daiki Inaba, Shuji Kondo, and Junta Miyawaki versus Evil Ren Narita, uh, Yujiro Takahashi, Sho, Yoshinobu Kanamaru, and Dick Togo. Yeah, I'm not into this. I don't like House of Torture. I despise House of Torture. Um, I think it's ridiculous, and I think some of the defenses of House of Torture are ridiculous. It is, you know, I mean, we've been pretty solid on the the when Voodoo Murders was bad, how bad it was, and the fact of the matter is, Bullet Club and Voodoo Murders, or sorry, Bullet Club and House of Torture really have. Uh, are successors to Voodoo Murders in many ways, not just simply like NWO things, right? That sort of Voodoo Murders, and especially with all the foreigners and Voodoo Murders and, every, and R-O-N-D as well. I mean, though th- th- that sort of thing is actually very much also shapes, you know, what we have today with Bullet Club and House of Torture. I don't like the interference. It's ridiculous. People will defend that against heat, yada, yada. And I don't think it's killing the promotion. But I think with a company with like New Japan, with its level of talent and its resources, and yes, it has resources, even if, you know, can't afford to, you know, re-sign certain uh, wrestlers and everything like that. The fact of the matter is that they could be putting their talents towards better uses than this that would have much bigger returns than House of Torture does. Uh, in terms of putting people into seats and everything like that. I don't buy that it's simply over. You could be doing something else that would be a much bigger deal that is far less annoying. I don't have any time for it, and I don't have any time for It's just, I don't know how you can compare it to to bracket out just the worst of North American pro wrestling as well. I just don't have any time for it, and I think it drags down this show, and it's just useless, right? That's the thing, right? Um, because, you know, and I'll, I was planning on going into this digression and stuff like that uh, because of sort of the main event, but with the AEW relationship. And it's funny because I see a sort of vocal crowd up there that thing that does not like the AEW 
and uh, New Japan relationship. And I sort of laugh at that because, look, okay, I would concede the point that perhaps, you know, on AEW TV, on Forbidden Door or whatever, you do not get up and down the card as many interesting matches as you can. You could say that AEW doesn't let uh, their guys lose as much as they should to the New Japan guys. I get it. That's fine. But that I but you have to then make a case that somehow this is affecting the product that happens on the shows on in Japan, and it, it really it, it really doesn't in in any super meaningful way, right? The fun if you think there is a malaise in New Japan, and and maybe malaise is a strong word, but some people have that feeling about a malaise. If you don't like Sonata. And I, my feeling on Sanat is that he is somewhat underdelivering as champion, but at the same time, what else are you going to go with? Another like, you know, we would, the other other only other option would be another Naito um, Okada main event. But they sort of did a lot of that during the pandemic when when they needed to sort of sell as many tickets as they can. So that match sort of well, they did it in the G1 finals, which is a little different because I think that the winner is sort of um, you know more. Out, out in the uh, up in the air of who people might think it might be and everything like that. So Sonata is not, or AEW is not responsible for Sonata's champion. Uh, Sonata is, or AEW is not responsible for any whatever backstage stuff has that has led to the removal of Obari and, and Hiroshi Tanahashi becoming um, president of the company. Um, AEW is not um, responsible for House of Torture or any of the booking or anything like that. If you don't like certain wrestlers getting pushed, or if you think the Rewa, Rewa uh, Three Musketeers are not being pushed fast enough, and I think there's, oh, there's an argument to be made that that they should be probably pushed maybe faster and harder. Again, AEW has nothing to do with that. Um, I think that, you know, yeah, you can be, but I just think some people take it to be of more of an overall thing that's affecting the company, and I get it. Yeah, maybe. It's not always the best, you know, maximizing use of when they're over in the States or in North America. But I just don't think that the bigger issues in the company are caused by AEW. And I sort of just roll my eyes when people complain about that relationship because they think it's sort of affecting the whole company and, and dragging the whole company down when, when that's not the case. The other choices, uh, if you think it is malaise, I think that malaise question is somewhat overrated. I think that there's simply just, well, House of Torture, one thing. But there's just simply too much talent in the company and especially young talent now. I think some more rookies just debut recently that that this company can't, isn't something that the company can't pull itself out of uh, and that, you know, the AEW thing is, um, what's dragging it down, but how's the torture is, um, and then for the GHC heavyweight, uh, title match, we've got Keno versus Manu Busoya, and obviously, this is a match that, um, you know, with the whole attention of what the, what the real main event is of and everything like that, I think that these two guys are going to go out there and want to put on a show. They are probably just going to stiff the crap out of each other. And work real hard because they have something to prove. But of course the result is in no question because it's going to be Keno. Um, but this is honestly a nice reward for Soya who worked really hard all of 2023 and arguably had the best year of his career. Uh, just great stuff. And I'm expecting, I really think um, this will, when we go look back at like New, the week of New Year's or Wrestle Kingdom week or whatever you want to call it, that this will be one of the best matches of that week. So now we go to our main event, which is Naomichi Marafuji versus Kota Ibushi in a dream match. And yes, it is a dream match. It was something that was planned on happening like a decade ago, but injuries got in the way and everything like that. Obviously, Marafuji and Ibushi are not what they once were. 
as wrestlers physically. Uh, so there's a lot of question marks going into that. I actually think that they can have a good match if they just do some ground and pound and just chop and kick each other really hard. I think that they can make something of it. Not necessarily on a spectacular level, but just on a solid match structure like this. And in many ways, this is sort of like the ultimate test to see if if what Ibushi is, is uh, capable of. Although I think some people, it seems, I don't know, I didn't see AEW last night. I, I, well, I haven't in months. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I got out of there as soon as uh, I smelled the sports entertainment stuff increasing uh, way back in February. I will go back and watch, you know, your very highly uh, touted matches, whether it's like, you know, Omega versus Osprey 2 or like Swerve versus Hangman and stuff like that. Um, Anyway, so I think that something that Abushi is going to be working World's End uh, to fill in for Kenny Omega, possibly. So I don't know if the jet lag and getting over there and traveling is going to affect him or, or anything like that. Um, so we'll see. But I can't say that I think this is going to be a disaster. Or it could be. Who knows, right? Uh, so this is really sort of like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm actually very curious to see what happens with this and everything because it's going to be very telling about Abushi. And, but I would assume that Marafuji probably wants to have a good match. I don't know what Ibushi's headspace is in or anything like that. So it's a question mark, but I think it can. I think it still has the potential to surprise people on how good it could be. But yes, it could be sort of just a three and a half star affair or not good because Ibushi is just too far gone. I don't know. Who knows, right? Um, I'm just not someone... I guess when it comes to wrestlers showing their age, especially like great wrestlers showing their age, I want a bigger a bigger resume than what Ibushi has done since returning uh, and leaving New Japan from his shoulder injury. Um, I, you know, he's probably, you know, not uh, what he obviously not what he once was, but uh, I am not someone to uh, completely write someone off until they have a much bigger sort of uh, resume of matches uh, when they're coming back from uh, especially in a long term injury. And, and with everything that Ibushi has been through, it could be, uh, you know, something that's as mental as much as a physical. And maybe he just needs to uh, get that love of wrestling back and everything like that. Right. Uh, so that's why I think that there is still a chance that this could deliver. I don't know if it is going to be in the same breath of what Keno versus Soya could be, and obviously Miyahara versus Nakajima. But we will see, and that to me is sort of one of the sort of draws to the show, just like what is this main event going to be? Uh, we don't know what it could be. Uh, is it going to disappoint? Is it going to be great? I don't know. Um so there's that, but it is going to have my attention. With the exception of House of Torture, I don't think it's a bad card. It can be a little underwhelming, but I think that Noah can still deliver, and I think if Noah can get past this hump, uh, who knows what, I guess, what the relationship with New Japan uh, portends, but I think that, you know, Wagner's resigned. You've got guys now, like, I don't know how long Titus Alexander's going to be hanging around, because obviously he's not there with Noah. He's there with Marvelous, but this is his regular sort of... Uh, stop. He's in the Marvelous Dojo. This is a regular stop. They'd be wise to see if they can get him as much as possible as well. Uh, so, you know, I think that this can be a sort of a transition point for pro wrestling Noah. With this being the last show of the year, I thought I'd do a quick 
very brief uh, year in review. <laughs> so we'll start with Noah. Um, obviously, uh, as everyone many expected, the things went sort of in a downward direction after the Moodle retirement show in February. I didn't think it was all too bad, honestly, up until after the N1. But after the N1, I thought things got really, really, um, you know, bad is a strong word, but just sometimes hard to get through these shows. And it was like, I only want to watch maybe one or two matches from these shows. It was sort of uh, like, a, you know, hard to watch, hard to watch, but just not because it was bad, but just because it was so interesting. But the Monday Magics did help things. And I think that it allowed uh, people to get some shine in the company, uh, especially like people like Titus Alexander, people like Teriyaki, who I have both been impressed with. And obviously the Monday Magics aren't coming back until, I think until April. And then we've got uh, the May uh, uh, Sumo Hall uh, show, which has a magic sort of, I think it's like wrestling magic or wrestle magic or something like that. So it could be all tied in. We'll see what that is. Uh, so in, so that was like the brief Noah 2024. 20, uh, um, you know, I don't think I'm alone in, in that feeling. Although, I mean, again, there is still... The, despite some losses, obviously Nakajima being a big one, I still think they have a great roster. It's just what you sort of have to do with them, and the booking sort of has been a little lackluster on that. But I think Keno is good enough to help pull things uh, in an upward direction uh, after um, the the new the January second show. Um, so I think that I think the 2024 will be better. Uh, if they lose more people, then then we could have a re repeat of late 2023, where it just becomes like a slog sometimes. But uh, I guess I'm cautiously optimistic because I think Keno can really is just such a talent that uh, obviously other things in the promotion have to improve. But I think that he's the right man to be champion for uh, I think a long time uh, at this point, especially. And then of course we have All Japan, and I went over what I'm concerned about uh, President Fukuda more than WWE. Uh, but what can I say? It's been a, a great year for them, business-wise, creatively. Made new stars or are in the process of building new stars. A lot of people got elevated this year. I thought there was a little lull uh, from the Champion Carnival, maybe from May to August. But uh, <clears throat> from August, September onwards, great, amazing stuff. The most excited I've been watching the company in years. You, like, obviously, if Miyahara left tomorrow, it would be a big blow. But you can imagine an all-Japan without Miyahara now. You've got the Aoyagis, you got Honda, you got Anzai. Um, the junior division is improved, but the cycle of booking is still a problem. Uh, they held the tryout on the 21st uh, before the New Age Chronicles show. So hopefully that they have uh, uh, accepted some more uh, wrestlers into the dojo. And hopefully something like Takao Mori's departure is more of a sign of more youth coming into the company than, you know, backstage problems or anything like that. So um, I am very bullish for All Japan in 2024. I think Miyahara and Aoyagi want to lift this company up, and which is another reason. Well, I mean, Miyahara is obviously known that, uh, you know, he likes his American wrestlers, uh, Hulk Hogan, obviously. But I just, you know, again, going back to this, I just don't think that 
I think they have a vision and I don't think that whatever is happening with uh, the the Dempsey guest uh, spot, which is what it really just is, is going to drag it. And hopefully they can debut some new wrestlers and they can continue to elevate. I think 2024 will probably be a big year for Rising Hayato eventually. Honda uh, and Anzai, I would hope, uh, maybe win the tag titles. And I think, obviously, the Saitos were a... Um, a delight. Obviously, I've been a big defender of them. They were just something different. You know, throw back to these huge lumbering ex-sumo guys that you didn't get, you hadn't seen as much in, in Japanese wrestling as you used to. And they've come into their own. Uh, the company has obviously done a very good job promoting them, you know, outside in the media, doing media appearances. That was a, that show where they get in the cab and go around and eat restaurants to the point where they now have made entrances in cabs at shows and everything like that. And they've clearly improved in the ring and i think they will continue to do so yes they're older uh they are 37 now but i think they have a few years of a good run in them uh so i am excited and i'm going to continue to sing their praises and defend them uh defend them very very strongly furiously um so yeah i'm still bullish and i'm not gonna i just you know i've been through this already i'm repeating myself but yeah no i just don't think uh, the wwe thing is that big a deal? And we'll probably uh, realize that all in like a month from now. Um, so, yeah, I think that's for all Japan. Uh, Other quick 2023 thoughts. Big Japan. I didn't watch as much as I wanted to, but the astronauts had a great year. And there is a lot of great stuff with Yuya Aoki's title reign that uh, you should check out. Absolutely. And check out all of the astronaut ta- astronauts tag title matches. I would probably put Mihara in... And Aoyagi, just a little ahead of Astronauts, is my overall tag team of the year in all of wrestling. Um, and there's been some great stuff. Kaiji Tomato as the junior champion and everything like that. And they have some foreigners. You know, Ender Kara, Leighton Buzzard now in the company. Uh, DDT. Um, look, I thought DDT hit a low that it hadn't. In, I'm... Well, people were really low on DDT, even despite the fact that Higuchi was champion. I was higher on it because Higuchi was champion. But the inexplicable um, decision to put the title on Yuji Hino uh, soured things. But they persevered. And um, obviously, you know, Chris Brooks had a great reign. And now Yukiano has the champion, and I liked uh, their match probably. I mean, I think people recognize their match as being technically great, but it sort of lacked that, I don't know, passion or, you know, whatever to it, excitement or drama. I still thought it was a great match. I think it was only a matter of time before Yukiano won the title. And I think that there are things in, in DDT that I'm a little more bullish on, but I'm not. I'm not, well, I, I'm never really all the way in with DDT, but I still think that they are probably trending in the right direction. So, um, I mean, and they still have some really great big matches and everything like that. Um, and anything else I watched? Well, obviously you want to watch Takuya no more versus Fuminori Abe, and that's on Wrestle Universe, and we talked about that. That was the other big highlight of the year, I suppose. I sort of touched on New Japan a bit. I don't. I don't know. I think they're in a holding pattern, but I think it's a rebuilding time. And I think so as a result, I think some people can be a little overly dramatic with the direction of the company. I will say that as I went through other than House of Torture, which is trash. Um, 
So, yeah. And I realized that I forgot to talk about this United Japan Pro Wrestling thing. And they're going to do a, a show at uh, Budokan in early May, I believe. Now, my read on this, because some people think that this is some sort of like permanent thing, I think they just want to do another altogether style show just for the sake of it, make a little bit of money. But ultimately, I think that this is just an organization a professional or industry organization to lobby the government because obviously coming out of COVID and everything like that, you know, there was some lobbying done and maybe that it wasn't always united. So they can sort of put on a united front uh, when it comes to lobbying the government. Uh, if in case anything else happens, I mean, obviously I don't know what's going on, but uh, rumors that the Tokyo dome is going to get torn down and replaced with luxury condos. And of course, if that happens, then maybe Cork and Hall is getting torn down as well. And, you know, that could be a problem because of how important Cork and Hall is, given its central location, given its history, you know, where where our, where our company is going to run and find a 1,500-seat venue in central Tokyo type thing. So it makes sense from that, in, from that perspective of why they would want some sort of essentially a lobbying organization uh, for the pro wrestling industry. And I think that's all it is. There's nothing more to read into it. I don't think that you're going to have a dramatic amount of... Um, interpromotion or well there was already interpromotional stuff but i don't think it's going to change the pace or, or the amount of it um the interpromotional stuff is interesting what could be in 2024 i guess i'll just make some predictions i think ddt and all japan relationship works because the D, most of the ddt guys unless except for the really top guys can lose and it's not a deal as we saw with eruption in in the real world tag league I think Noah is going to continue to try to ride on New Japan's coattails, and I think that it's not... I mean, the OE one, Kiyomiya tag team is great, but Kiyomiya does not come across as a guy that's like won singles tournaments and is a you know a multi-time GHC champion. He feels like he's like barely above Young Lion phase with this, despite, you know, they're, I really like them as a team. It's just the question of perception and everything like that. But I think that Noah is going to continue to ride that... Um, that that train basically uh as far as all japan working with new japan and noah i don't know what's going to happen with that there hasn't been much since kojima nagata stopped becoming being regulars uh, suzuki is a freelancer anyway and minoru um right and then obviously we've seen like hideki suzuki hasn't worked Noah i think since like november or maybe even october I think it might have been in October. So, like, has he sort of left because of what's going on there? Well, I'm not saying there were problems, but he just sort of just moved on to the next place, not on some bad terms or anything. But a place where there he could be used differently because I don't think he was going to be used. Uh, he'll, he'll be the focal point of stuff in all Japan. I don't think he would just be a background player in, in, in Noah right now, which is fine. Again, Hideki probably had something to do with this WWE deal, uh, but I have enjoyed Hideki in... In, in all Japan so far, in all honesty, uh, his his team with Suwama, despite the first match, became fun. And um, I really like his stuff with Anzai. I mean, hopefully it leads up to an Anzai singles match where Anzai wins. But I can't hold my breath on, on something like that. But I think it would be a great way to help elevate Anzai. Um, so I don't know what's going on with Noah and all Japan because you've had like Rising Hado and Yuma Anzai on Monday Magic shows both getting huge uh, responses from the crowd on those shows. And Jake even teasing something with um, Anzai. 
So will Jake Lee be in All Japan in 2024? I, uh, no, not like a jump back, but as an, in a promotional thing. I don't think you can write it off. I think it's something that could happen. Other predictions for 2024? I think Kenna holds the GHC title the whole year. I think he sort of has to uh, for the sake of rebuilding that company. And maybe by that time you can rebuild uh, Kaido. I don't know. Uh, we'll see that that um, in all Japan in 2024. I don't think Yuma Anzai wins the Triple Crown. I don't think Ryuki Honda wins the Triple Crown. If we have one new Triple Crown champion in 2024, it will be Shotaro Ashino. Uh, so how will Ashino do? I don't know. I don't. They have a big match. They have a big match coming up in late January where they did the the Miyahara versus Aoyagi match back last February. So that's like um. It's a sizable building. I actually think it can fit fit a little over 2,000 max. So uh, could that be the spot for the title challenge that he still hasn't gotten because he broke his arm in the champion carnival finals? I don't know, but it would, again, I don't see him being Nakajima, but that would be too soon to take the title off of um, Miyahara. I mean, maybe what you want to do is just have him win the champion carnival again. Um, that's That's a nice little story, and then he could finally have his moment. Um... Then maybe he can have an unsuccessful attempt before that. I don't know. But I just think that he is the most likely person. And I'm not 100% on this. But if I had to pick someone who finally wins the Triple Crown in 2024, who hasn't or who hasn't won the Triple Crown before, it would be Ashino. Um, yeah. So, and um, I think if I have any other predictions. Oh, the Noah Jr. division will continue to be what it is what it is. Ada, I think, has a an opportunity to elevate things, but I think he will just do the usual uh, shtick that he's been doing since he, he came to Noah, unfortunately, because it could be more and that division could be so much more. I, we've seen a, a dramatic improvement uh, with the um, junior tag titles and all they needed to do with the junior tag titles was just put it on two guys that are high flyers and just go out there and do spot cuts and everything like that. And the, and and the division and the division greatly improved. So I don't think it's uh like the thing with Noah is like as I said that the talent I don't think that the the building or the rebuilding of it is some sort of uh complex process or anything like that. Um other things I think happen in Noah, I think Morris will continue having a solid national title run and I think that the GHC tag titles hopefully get some more prominence because there's a lot of potential there with teams like Inaba and Kitamiya whose run got cut way too short, but they put in some solid uh, performances, quite possibly the most underrated tag team of the year. Um, just some other thoughts. I would say for most improved wrestler of the year, Ohio to Dr. Wagner Jr., no question. Tag team of the year, Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi. Wrestler of the year from like an overall MVP perspective. Um... Well, if we just sort of keep it to the smaller Japanese promotions, I think you can make a case that's Yuma Aoyagi because he's had great matches and he helped, uh, he definitely helped all Japan's business improve. I mean, I think Keno is in that conversation, but I just think that the overall direction of the promotion in late 2023 hurt it, even if he was trying his damnness to, to make something of it. Um, most outstanding in all of this. 
uh, Miyahara maybe. I think he had the most great matches overall. Um, Kaido is still a great worker in terms of like he's still young, so he still tries. And I've said this before, like on the spot shows and everything like that, he works so hard. I mean, he's eventually going to slow down. I mean, guys like Okada did that too, right? But he's just a joy to watch in that. I just hope that uh, they can resuscitate <laughs> his career and everything like that. Um, show of the year. Uh, we'll give it to the um, the Mudo Retirement Show. I mean, it was a spectacle, obviously. Uh, I wasn't as high on the main event as others. It's sort of funny because there's definitely people that are like obsessive work rate nerds that just decided to get all emotional and said that was an amazing match. <laughs> And I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm only I'm needling them because of how much um, they, some people normally put into like, oh, the work rate, are there too many rest holds, was the selling of the leg? But then people, because of this is how pro wrestling really is, and it's really about getting uh, emotion and getting emotion out of people that, uh, you know, the Naito and uh, Mudo match and the little Chono and, and Mudo thing, it tugged everyone's heartstrings. Uh, to the point where you stopped caring about, you know, how much selling of the leg there was or anything like that. Uh, so that's always funny to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that uh, about wraps it up for uh, this week. This is, the, like I said, the last show of the year. So I just did. I wanted to do a quick year in review. Uh, Paul may record in Japan. That's just a question of... Um, like how easy that is to do or anything like that so i cannot guarantee you any any shows from paul while he's in japan uh just to let you know but i will be back here after january 3rd with a guest to talk about the three all japan shows and the noah the new year show so i hope um so once again i apologize um uh, again profusely uh, very embarrassing and i feel so bad about it which we went over uh, I hope you had a great holiday. I hope you have a a great new year. I hope you continue to listen to the Emerald Flow Show. We might try to shake things up in the new year. Maybe have more focused shows on certain topics and everything like that. And I would just like to thank all of our listeners because we're coming up on two years of the show, uh, which uh, is sort of impressive, I suppose, if one considers how many podcasts uh, never get past one episode and everything like that. And, you know, I know actually uh, in the last couple of days I had people just reach out to me you know, just to reassure me and everything like that. And uh, I know there are listeners and everything like that. And I always, always, always uh, really appreciate that. We both do. And everything like that. And Paul is a great co-host and everything. So um, I wish you all the best for 2024 and hopefully pro wrestling or at least the pro wrestling that we watch. And you know what? I want the whole industry to improve and be strong because I, I do generally think a rising tide lifts all boats except for when it's with WWE, but that's another story. And I've been uh, all through uh, that. And just on a personal note, um, I know she might or might not be listening, but she does listen uh, sometimes. I got engaged to my girlfriend uh, over the holidays. So I just wanted to say to Jenny, I love you so much. And, uh, Thank you so much for everything this past year to our listeners. Uh, it has been always fun through the ups and downs of everything. So we will see you all in 2024. Uh, 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 uh. Competition's
Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. <laughs> 